When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt from Rolling Stone, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I have with me Andy Green from Rolling Stone. Hi there, Brian. How you doing? I am pretty good. So today we're going to play uh, some of Andy's recent interview with Tom Petty. What was Tom Petty calling you about this time, Andy? He was calling about his upcoming tour for their 40th anniversary, even though it's their 41st anniversary (laughs) next year. Uh, they're going a huge tour for it. It's it's his longest tour in a very long time. So it's the 40th anniversary of what precisely? Of the first album coming out, which came out in late 76. Interesting, interesting. Uh, apparently Tom is, when I mentioned a big anniversary of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young to Neil Young, he was like withering in his sarcasm. But Tom Tom respects an anniversary. Tom appreciates yeah, the power of anniversary. Yeah, he is a big deal. They did a huge tour in 06 on the, on the 30th. And probably they would have this year, but the Mud Crutch tour happened, so that kind of occupied his year this year. Yeah, and Mud Crutch, for those who don't know, is? Uh, they're his first band that had no albums, no success, no nothing. <laughs> they broke up in 1974 or five, and then he reformed them in 2008, which is a crazy move. It would be like Springsteen doing like a steel mill tour or something, which yeah. was his first band that went nowhere. Yeah, or, or what's the Billy Joel one? That's the Hassles. (laughs) Yeah, it would be like a Billy Joel and the Hassles tour. Yeah. I mean, it's admirable because uh, Tom isn't obviously isn't just uh, looking for money here when he reunites Mud Crutch and does a Mud Crutch tour. In fact, I would imagine anyone on on his business side is like, maybe don't do a Mud Crutch tour. I imagine they were horrified. But for the guys in the band who weren't in the Heartbreakers, because there are two members of Mud Crutch and the Heartbreakers, for the two non-Heartbreakers dudes, it's the most shocking and most amazing thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah, they get to travel in private jets and stay in first-class hotels and experience life as an actual rock star. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah, it's a first second chance. And one of the things you talk about with Tom in this interview is this idea of the the Wildflowers box set, which looms large. What is yeah, the deal with the Wildflowers box set? it's become the Chinese democracy of box sets. And for over a decade now, Tom has been talking about this Wildflowers box set because the album was first conceived as a double record. And then it was released as a single record, and he said that he wants to put it out as a big box set with the whole thing. Then he told me in June that next year his plan was to take it on tour and play both albums in concert. So I, I sort of start the interview. I was very curious about that. I was because he just told me a few months ago that that was next year's plan. Right. I guess maybe they were thinking Mug Crutch followed by a sort of somewhat niche tour, maybe not the way to go. Right. Um, but okay, let's hear let's hear the first part of Andy Green and Tom Petty. So I spoke to you in June, and you were thinking about a Wildflowers tour for next year. So then, what changed? Um. What changed? The the 40th anniversary kind of got in the way of that. All right. Um, I'm still going to do it. Um, uh, but for the 40th, I, I looked out, they had booked the tour, and they had booked all big places. Mm-hmm. And um, the Wildflowers tour will have to be in smaller places. Right. 
because it's just a lot of it is quiet, you know. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at the whole program of, of both LPs together, a lot of it is acoustic. So I don't want to do that in arenas. Right. But, uh, and then the anniversary thing, I, I think, you know, it would be wrong to focus on one album for that tour, so. Right. I, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I'm to, still gonna get the album out and to play arenas when the whole second album is songs that no one really knows at this point would be a real challenge also it would yeah and I, I'm not even worried about the challenge I'm just worried about the sound and the intimacy you know and the value of the experience you know yeah. I, I think you, you'll walk out feeling much more fulfilled if it's a little more intimate right uh, so the Wildflowers box set is that push is that is that pushed back yet again now because of this tour? Yes, because of the tour. <laughs> All right, too late in the year, do you think, or next, or to uh, 2018, or do you even know? You know, I started talking about this the other day, yeah. and 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 got a really loud shut up <laughs> in my room. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because every time I bring it up, it it hits the wall somehow. Uh, we're done in August. Okay. With this tour. So, could I go back in, get that together, and play before the end of the year? Mm -hmm. It's not out of the question. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't promise it yet. Mm -hmm. But it's not out of the question that I play a few of the shows at the end of the year and carry on the next year. Cool. And so what are your thoughts now on what these 40th anniversary shows are going to be like? Well, I don't really have a lot of thoughts because I haven't had a rehearsal yet. You know, I haven't got together with everybody. Uh, I think, it, you know, it should probably, I mean, I'm talking, I'm really talking off the top of my head here. Mm -hmm. uh, but you probably want to represent something from all the albums, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I kind of like the vibe. The vibe to me would be good if we came at it kind of like, you know, if you saw those shows, um, we did in New York at, um, that theater. Yeah, they, uh, at the Beacon, yeah. I, I, Beacon. I saw two of those, yeah. They were great. If, if we can kind of take that attitude and, uh, apply it you know, to um, to apply it to the idea that, hey, we want to represent all the stuff and we want to give everybody plenty of their popular songs, but we want to give the longtime fans some really deep stuff. And, you know, and we can change the show as much as we want, right. night to night. But, because uh, there, you know, we would, we would, change the show a great deal night to night mm -hmm. and uh that convinced me that it can be done right but therein again we were in a real intimate setting mm -hmm. so that's what i hope for yeah you know is is a big uh a big sort of potpourri of the of all of it in lots of different ways yeah i get and Make it fun. Make it celebratory. 
Yeah, I guess you have a problem that most artists would love to have is that you have too many hits. That yeah. if you that you could easily do two hours of just hits, but then the, the then the casual we fans can do are four, up. honestly. Right. Honestly. Yeah. We we it can't be done in one night. Yeah. Right. And uh, that is an unusual problem, isn't it? I mean, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> just glad to be here, really. But right. I, I'm going to work that out, but it is a, a constant um, thing that I struggle with with the shows, is, mm-hmm. is what do we play? You know? Right. Are there any must-plays? Do you think every night we'll have American Girl and Free Falling and Last Dance with Mary Jane, or there's nothing as sacred for this tour? We could just mix it up if you feel. If I was a fan and they didn't play American Girl, I'd be let down. Right. Uh, no free fall and I think I'd be let down mm-hmm. but you know I don't know I mean I, somebody's probably got a song like that for everybody you know right and I forever get why didn't you play this one or that one and there's just it's not possible right yeah uh, are you thinking about that about going to Europe on this tour or is it just going to be America are you thinking um, I'm pretty sure we're going over to play Hyde Park oh, wow. in London mm-hmm. in uh, the middle of this tour. Uh-huh. We're kind of going to cut out and go to England for a few days. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we come back, like I say, it would be after this run across America, which is breaking all heartbreaker rules. You know, we had ruled this out. And here we are doing it again, you know. Uh, It's a long tour. I just want to see how we feel at the end. If we feel like, all right, I want to play some more, we'll go to Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, After the wildflowers. (laughs) 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 This is becoming like the Chinese democracy of the Tom Petty world, this mythical wildflowers thing. Yeah, it is. Um, you hinted in the letter to the fans that maybe, maybe, maybe this might be the last big one, sort of. Are you thinking that at all? Yeah. I would be dishonest to say I wasn't thinking that a little bit. Uh, I'm not thinking it's the last time we're going to play. I'm thinking it may be the last trip around the country. I don't know, though. I could be completely wrong, you know. I I just don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they all want to play, it's very likely we'll keep playing, but will we take on, uh, you know, 50 shows right. in one tour? I, I don't think so. I doubt it. I mean, we're, we're on the backside of 60s now, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think what it is is, you know, the guys in the band, I mean, we've never really got to have a home life for long, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that other people get, you know, and I'm a little envious of it in a way. Uh, But um, then on the other hand, you know, I've been on this long break. I mean, they, they all stay busy doing stuff, but I've... I guess I did mud crutch, but that I get really bored if I'm not working. You right. Know? So I like to have a project. Uh huh. 
and I don't I don't want to start that that wildfire fire of wow this is it you know mm-hmm. I I don't think that's on our mind but it could be it could be every time we go I just don't know you know nobody knows yeah you told Neil Strauss in no six that that tour was 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 would be likely the last all out tour yeah and I think it was for a long time right yeah. but. Uh, because we just started playing hit hit and run kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which I enjoy, you know, like, okay, let's, let's just go do that and come back, you know, but um, I don't know, you know, I grew up playing long tours, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've done that more in my life than I haven't, and uh, it's, it's a, I feel right at home there. Yeah, which is which is kind of sick, but <laughs> you know, as soon as I sit down on the plane, I'm I'm as at home as anywhere I get, you know. Huh. So you know, and I, I don't know. Maybe I keep doing it. I don't know. And, I'm I'm in great health, knock wood. And, yeah, uh, in, in comparison, in comparison to Pete Townsend and Bob Dylan and a bunch of those guys. You're pretty young. Well, thank God for those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd look really old without them. Right. I, I, uh, thank God for the Rolling Stones, you know. I, yeah. They've always been our, our, you know, beacon to follow. <laughs> Yeah. Right, and so like, look, they're they're still doing this, you know, and and I think it it's reaffirmed to a lot of people that you know you can get you you can keep going. When I started this, there there weren't any rock and roll stars that were forty, right, at yeah. all. Yeah, you know, I mean, you had Chuck Berry and little Richard and Jerry Lee were in their 30s and we thought wow you know imagine getting that far <laughs> yeah. and you know you, so who knows and I think of how old Elvis seemed when he died and he was 42 right I mean it's astounding almost well it's true that yeah. you know I mean the Stones took a lot of shit for playing in their 40s right yeah they were made fun of it just endlessly for being old so and uh that's just not true anymore you know so you you but on the flip side I, I could see in 10 years on a 50th anniversary tour do you just not see that in the in the cards at 76 I don't see it you know yeah. uh maybe somebody does uh-huh I don't see it uh I don't know. It's just just seems like we should find something to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you say you get bored. So when you get bored, yeah. if you're on a, I do. A tour? I get bored, and um, I need something to do, or I I tend to you know just be a nuisance. And I, uh, but you know, I have a granddaughter now that I like to see as much as I can, and I. I don't want to spend my life out there on the road. I mean, this tour will take me away for about four months. Right. So, uh, with a little kid, that's a lot of time. 
Yeah, it's true. You know, and there's there's one thing that I love about the band is it's basically the same guys from day one. There's almost no bands. Oh, yeah. They, you can say that. I look at the stage. There's Ron and Ben and Mike. There's I mean, four of the five. Right, which is a very... Uh, that, that's a good number for 40 years. Yeah. And that was always our plan is, you know, we're going to keep these people together and see what we can get out of it rather than try to, you know, pick the greatest people every time, you know, and mm -hmm. build a new band. And just think of the odds that in a random town in Florida you'd find these guys that are at the level of musicianship that they have. It's pretty astounding you think about it. Just, it is astounding because... I mean, a lot of music came out of Gainesville in those days. I mean, sure. there's even a book about it now, you know, that I saw the other day. I couldn't believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the level of playing was real high. Like, there were a lot of good players, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Bernie Ledden and Don Felder. They were probably, you know, the first really noticeable dudes in town. And... They really had a high bar as to how they could play. Right. And if we wanted to hang with them, we had to, you know, get up to that bar. Uh huh. And so once filled your times in your days after, after the Mud Crutch tour, I mean, I, I hear you a lot on Tom Petty Radio. I presume that that, 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 that takes up a, a lot of time, right? You're yeah, I, I've been really putting a lot of time into the station. I want to just have the best radio station in the world there, you know, the best rock and roll station. Mm -hmm. And I think we're breaking some ground with what we're doing there. I don't know that anybody's done this before. No. And um, it's very exciting. So, you know, I'm just in hog heaven with the radio thing, you know. I, I've, uh, I've got my Tom Talks to Cool People show where um, I've started interviewing guests, you know, and uh, and I have Andrew Oldham coming over to record this Saturday, you know, and wow. I'm, I'm so excited, you know. But that's a ball, and the buried treasure thing is real, you know, it's in its 11th year, wow. and has a lot of fans, and uh, it's just all good, you know, it's, everything's pretty positive. I love when Tom Petty says he's excited and he sounds like the least excited person on the planet. That's the best part. Andy, in this upcoming segment, I think you spend, you're talking about uh, Tom Petty's tour mm -hmm. that's for next year, and you spend a lot of time bugging him to play rare songs, which is sort of like your MO, right? I mean, ha yeah. how, what percentage of, <laughs> of your interviews with uh, beloved older artists do you spend encouraging them to play B-sides that they'll never play? It's a very decent chunk at this point, because yeah. I see a lot of these guys in concert, and I'm sick of the same songs. But with Petty, he, he has a real challenge, because if you polled the audience at his show, you know, he plays huge arenas to 20,000 people, and most of those people probably just know the hits. Right. So if he starts playing all, all this rare shit, there, most people will be upset and bored, and they won't <laughs> come back next time. Yeah. But to the small part of the hardcores, they've heard Free Falling 50,000 times. These acts are can be risk averse. I think you and I were yeah. both trying to get the Who to play Slip Kid, and they finally, they finally did it. Did. But that took years of me personally <laughs> begging Roger Daltrey. Do, do you think you did it? I think it's possible. <laughs> I brought up Slip Kid so many freaking times. I did as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah, so. And they find I finally saw them do it. They did a quick one on the last tour, but then they dropped them both. Right. 
it's it's very hard because there's so much gratification for playing the hits. Right. And the other thing is you have to work hard and learn the song you've already forgotten. And then the crowd is like, eh? So yeah. it's tough. And it's a huge business. And if you burn the fans once, then you're like Neil Young and people don't want to come back when they get burned. Sometimes you even play the hits and you'll yeah. hear people coming out of the concert being like, they didn't play any hits. And you're like, but it was like 95% hit. I, right. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that yeah. from a classic rock and crowd. I think Tom Petty, a bit more than others, he's not, he, I don't want to say that he's a singles artist, but his hits collection sold so many they records. They loom large, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. really loom large. Besides Dan the Torpedoes and Wildflowers, it's it's not like he has like a Born to Run type album, though I guess Dan the Torpedoes kind of is. But yeah, it is. He has so many radio hits. Yeah, very. It's true. just different. All right, so let's play some more of Andy Green chatting with Tom Petty. Are you looking forward to the tour? Do you get do you get excited when you think about about the first show and and walking on stage, or how do you feel about it coming up? Well, I'm aware of it. You know, <laughs> I'm. Uh... <laughs> trying to get everything out of the way that I've got to get out of the way, you know, so I can make that kind of commitment. And because um, once you're into that, you're in it, you know, after right. the from the first day of rehearsal, they just tag you, you know, like you're you're number four or five or what, you know, you're in the system. Someone will call you every day and pick you up. You're in the system, you know, right. so and you won't get out of it until the war's over, and uh, so I'm just running around. I got a lot of things to take care of. I'm going to produce um, an album with Chris Hillman. Oh wow! In January. Very cool. And uh, and then I'm free. I think then I'm done. So, do you know when rehearsals start? Is there like a month or week scheduled to start rehearsals? I think, I haven't seen the exact date, but um, I think they're in March. Oh. Um, but I'm not, we, we've we got this um, Music Care show coming up. Oh, right, in February, yeah. Which is, uh, that's also kind of a big commitment. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to have to rehearse for that, too. Because um, I don't know how long we're going to play on that, but I want to do some things we we don't normally do, and uh, and we're going to back up a couple other artists too. Oh wow! So we've got to rehearse all that. That's going to be quite a show. I mean, the the list is unbelievable of people playing. Yeah. Are you amazed that you're still able to play stadiums? I mean, there's very few. There's very few people who can play Wrigley Field these days. It's a handful. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed by that. I am totally amazed. And how do you explain that? I don't know. Uh, I hope it's quality. <laughs> I think it is. I hope it's just, you know, I've always tried to make the product worth the money mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully more than the money so I that's all I can figure yeah. I don't really look that in the face too much it's too scary but I uh, when I think about it it amazes me just like anyone else uh, yeah. I really love it I mean I'm not gonna 
I certainly can't complain about it. But has someone done that before? I mean, I don't know. You know, I I was thinking about the other day, like, well, who else did this? And I couldn't come up with anybody. What, uh, who plays stadiums after all these years, or what? For 40 years. Yeah, it's like you and, like, Paul McCartney. It's in a field like that. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. And I guess I bet James Taylor is still doing that a bit, but uh, it's a few people. Um, are you working on a new album of any sort? Are you writing new songs for the Heartbreakers? Is that even no, there? not no. right now. No, been too busy. Um, but, you know, we'll get around to that again when we can. But I'm not in a hurry to make an album right now. All right. Well, um, your last one was your first number one, so there's definitely an audience for it. Hey, we're still kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I love that, you know, we're not an oldies, you know? No. Our last record was number one. Yeah. We're still uh, contemporary, too. Are, are so you, are you I'm not going to give in to that. Are you thinking about Mud Crutch 3 at some point? I don't know. You know, Mud Crutch, I don't know. I, uh, what am I thinking about? You know, I'd just like to, if if we get another Heartbreakers record that's really good done, I would be really happy. You know, those are, those are always huge undertakings, and they really take a lot out of me, but if we could find the music, then that would make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I also want to do some more work with the Shelters, this young band. Sure. That, uh, they're doing great out there on the road, and um, people love it. And uh, I want to do their next record whenever they decide to come off the road. Hi, but you're done making solo records, I've heard you say. Do you still feel that yeah, way? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I need I need them around. Right. Huh. Uh, and my standard question I always ask, is there any chance you're going to play Room at, at the Top, or is it still not something that you're comfortable with? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I don't even make a note of that. Uh, you know, I heard that on the radio one day. Yeah? And I, I hadn't had the nerve to listen to that all the way through in a long time, you know. And uh, and I thought it, it wasn't a bad song, you know. And... Uh, I thought that could there I can see how that could be done. Wow. Yeah, I can see how it could be done. Whether we do it or not I don't know. But I can see trying it. Huh. So the emotion of it is no longer as raw as it was at the time when you kinda of ruled it out. No, it's that's over twenty years ago right. now. So I've 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 healed up a lot from that, so I can face it all. Huh. Uh and it's all about is it a good song, you know? Right. And I think it's a good song, and and I think I could do it. And the, the song Southern Accents, I've always loved so much, and that one verse you did in 06 was so magical. I would love, to, is there any chance you'll, you'll play that again? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we, we played that, when did we in last play? Gainesville in 06, I think. Right, yeah. And that was unrehearsed. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and we hadn't planned to play it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just threw it on in there all of a sudden. 
and it just kind of all took a deep breath when the bridge came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like thinking, how the hell does this go, you know? But we made it. We made it. There's something magic about those performances where you're not really sure of the chords and you land on the right ones. Right. And it does something special. But, yeah, it worked that night. I, I, I might try that again sometime. Sure. So, the, you know, the tour ends on July 20th. I might try any of them. I mean, okay. I don't know, you know. It's like, how much time do you have, you know, right. to... It, it, it would take months to explore all of them. Yeah. Right, we well, played in the last rehearsal one night. We played "You're Gonna Get It," you know the song. Wow. And it sounded so good, you know, that I was like, really wanted to get that into the show, but we never even got back to playing it again. Hmm. So, you know, I. Uh, Maybe we'll play that. <laughs> uh, my, my last song I want to bring up, I love Crawling Back to You. I think that's one of your best ever. I'd love to hear that, too. But, yeah, yeah, well, that'd be in the Wildflower show. Right. <laughs> yeah, of course, which is going to happen. I, I have faith in you. I would, that's but we've played that from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just to wrap up here, the tour ends officially on the dates I see here on July 27th at Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. Or is, is, is that for a reason, or, or, or just randomly you're going to wind up? That's not the end. That's oh, okay. not the end. I think they have a whole other leg that behind that that goes through California and oh, okay. uh, the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then I there's... think that's just the Midwest and East Coast. Right. So it actually picks up again. Then there's Hyde Park, too. Do you ever think about doing Australia and like the rest of the world? Or just yours? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're constantly besieged with offers to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. But and if we did everything we people wanted us to do, we'd be dead, you know? Right. It's, yeah, I'd love to go there. I'd love to play Japan one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of things. I'd like to, you know, do... Um, I'd like to do a whole tour of England, which we haven't done in, in Coon's Age, you know. Right. Uh, and Europe. I guess we did Europe five or six years ago, but I, I still want to do it. Right. But, it, you know, we're... We're running on empty here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, that's not a good quote. Don't print that. Okay. Uh, we're... Yeah. We're, you know, we're we're trying to do everything, and but we're really aware that time is finite. Right. It's not like when we were in our twenties or thirties, and you know, the world just stretched out in front of you. You could have done, you know, just gone on and on and on, and we did. Mm-hmm. So now we're gonna we're gonna take it in stages and say, how do you feel? You know, if we get near the end of this tour, we'll say, what do you feel like doing? And if so, we'll we'll figure out, you know, where to go next. Mm -hmm. Great. Oh, I think that's... And that'll keep us out of the studio. Uh You know? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the record company will be upset, and, and I don't think they'll be upset, but they'll be, you know, they have their interest in this, too. Right. Do you, you owe them more records, or is your... Are you, yes. Oh. Well, that's something you got to deal with at some point, right? 
Yeah, they, they've been really, they're so good to me. I mean, they are the best people in the world over there at, at Warner's, but I, you know, I have a contract where I owe them a record every couple of years or something like right. that, and, and I always go over, and they always indulge me, but... right. But yeah. then I'll bring them over and play them what I'm working on so they know I'm not just, you know, doing nothing. Right. And usually if I if they're in on what I'm doing, they're understanding about what's left to do. Huh. Are you thinking about playing theaters at, at some point, like you did in 2013? Well, I'm thinking about doing that in arenas, actually, but um, that sort of show. But right. I... Uh, yeah, I would do that. I would do it in a in a hit and run situation like we did. Right. That time we did New York and Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if we were to try to take that everywhere, I don't know if we wouldn't lose money. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just that way now. It's it's really expensive. Mhm. Mm so, uh the overhead of moving around all these people right. is crazy. Mm -hmm. I got a room at the top of the world tonight. We just heard a bunch of uh, Andy's little chat with Tom Petty, uh, which included so much begging, so much begging. To yeah, I got really pathetic there at the end. It's just <laughs> my goal in life is to hear him sing Room at, at, at the Top, a that, song he hasn't done in a long time. That's your goal in life. Yeah, that's my entire goal in life. I have no other goals besides to hear Tom Petty play Room at the Top live in concert. That is a worthwhile goal. I, Thank I think you, you're Brian. spending your life in a, I'm in very a proud of that, wonderful yes. fashion. Yes. Thank you. Um, and, and do you think he's ever going to play it? He told me he might. He told me that he heard it on Petty Radio. And yeah, well, I, I mean, think, yeah. where else would you hear? But yes, yeah. right, yeah. And I think enough time has passed. It was such a, it was a very difficult time for him and the band, and the song is so sad. Yeah. But I think Echo is his best album, which I know is an unpopular take, but it's great, and he never touches it. Yeah, because it's an upsetting time for him. And, that, and that's what actually what we forget is often artists have their own associations with albums or with songs, and, and that's why they don't play them. That's why they don't touch them. Right, and for him, it was his bassist, Howie Epstein, was extremely sick was a was a heroin addict and he died soon afterwards tom himself was just coming off his own heroin period he was going through a bad divorce it's his butt on the tracks album but almost more raw you know than even that yeah it's an interesting one of the things that's interesting is is when um you have veteran acts and there's always the moment when they're flying high, still having songs on the radio, yeah. and then there's and a, there's that moment when it ends, and it's never clear. Yeah, which is Echo, because Petty had an amazing 90s. Yeah. There's almost no 70s artist besides Neil Young that had a better 90s, or Aerosmith. Yeah. He, he had big radio hits. And, and MTV, he was on MTV. MTV, he did Last Dance with Mary Jane, like, that was against his will to, to fulfill a deal to his label, and becomes this crazy bestseller that even kids liked. Um, and then he then he had wildflowers, which was huge. Yeah, it's it, it is this weird thing. There was there was a much more of an openness to have like old guys serving up yeah. some of your pop music. Yeah, I was in the sixth grade, and and <laughs> all the kids were digging Aerosmith, and like Get a Grip was the coolest album, and it was these dudes in their mid forties from the seventies, and <laughs> Tom Petty's Greatest Hits was huge, and like Neil Young, I guess Harvest Moon, that I guess. 
I guess that I wasn't big with kids, but but he was cool because he played on the VMAs and everything. He was cool with Pearl Jam. I guess maybe it started when like John Fogarty had hits in the '80s and was on MTV. Like, well, like there was this weird thing of- in the mid '80s at that point, like with Phil Collins and Rod Stewart and Steve Winwood. It was in the mid '80s you could be like a pasty face, like ugly white dude in your mid '40s, <laughs> and have just enormous hits. Like Steve Winwood had like number one hits for months at a time. <laughs> Yeah, it's this weird thing where it just hadn't been so. It at the same time, it, you know, you could argue that these people were were blocking spots that should have gone to young people at the time, and that's probably true. But it, it is interesting how you know it was it was it wasn't so monolithically yeah, youthquakey, well, right? Well, and we think back upon the '80s now. You often talk about Pixies and Pavement and Sonic Youth, but if you actually turn on the radio back then, you'd hear Steve Winwood's Higher Love. Like that's what was playing, right? And, and this, while all sorts of early hip hop was going on and stuff, yeah. but instead, <laughs> higher love. Yeah, like, that's the. It, I, I mean, I think actually, I mean, you know, there's an argument to be made that actually top forty radio has actually gotten substantially better in some ways because it, it's more connected to like sort of the 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 actual core of pop culture right. rather than some like middle aged guy's idea of it. Maybe. Right, but it's gotten more narrow. I would argue in recent years what their definition of what they even play on top forty radio you were, is. You know, where's where's the Eric Clapton <laughs> singing like the, it's in the way that you use it on top forty radio? That wasn't really a top forty hit, was it? I was. I think Clapton did really big hits in the mid eighties. Yeah. yeah, it's in the way that you use it. He had Forever Man. It was like this thing where where it was just inflicted upon teenagers, like super boring middle aged music was like well, inflicted upon and teenagers. There was VH1 back then. Yes, and even you know, and they were just videos, and it was for older people. And <laughs> Petty in the late eighties was kind of struggling after you after Southern Accents with I don't know how it feels. No, I it feels with um with 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 don't come a run here no more. Right, he, he had a few. Not my favorite years. song, actually. Yeah, well, it was Dave Stewart and a Drum Machine, and the band hated it. Yeah, but it was this huge, huge hit. And then in '88, he had an album that totally bombed, or '87, one of the two. And then the big comeback with Full Moon Fever. Full Moon Fever, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, we were arguing the other day over how much uh, Jeff Lynne, how much credit Jeff Lynne deserves for Full Moon Fever. He deserves a lot, and the songs <laughs> are petty slash Lynn. That's no small That is fair. Thing. That is fair. I think it came down specifically to Free Fallen, and I, I, I believe that you cannot credit Jeff Lynne with the melody of Free Fallen. I know, yeah. Saying. Yeah, yeah. I but, was wrong to say melody in our okay. off-air conversation, but <laughs> I will say that he that that with no Jeff Lynne, that there's no Full Moon Fever, no big comeback. That queued, that queued up the entire 90s for Tom Petty, that one album. But to go back, I mean, the thing yeah. is, so these guys, they, they hit the point when they're off the radio. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, they don't like die. They like they don't quit. Right. They just have to keep going. And then it's like, so what do you do with oneself? Like, what do you do? Yeah, well, you can either really embrace the past and just become a sheer oldies machine. You can be Billy Joel and just stop making albums yeah. and become a touring machine and make a fortune. Or you could be like Neil Young and just don't give a shit, plow forward, do two albums a year. Yeah. And I think Petty is a nice middle ground. Yeah. That he makes an album every four years or so. And they're totally solid, and then he tours and plays two songs off of it. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it is. It, it's also a weird thing where it's like a Tom Petty releases an album, and there probably are many people out there who are like Tom Petty fans who like basically probably don't know he's released an album since the year two thousand. Right. But strangely, the last album was his first number one album because the charts are so dead these days that if if you're hardcore fans, if they go out and buy it in the first week, it goes to number one. 
Right. You know, I, I once went to Tom Petty's house. Did you know that, Andy? You did know that. I did indeed know that. Yes, I went to Tom Petty's house. It was just for, it was for the album Mojo, which was like his sort of uh, Zeppelin-y- His blues uh, album. His blues, blues rock album, which by the way, in his mind is not Zeppelin-y, it's Jeff Beck groupie. He, he hates Zeppelin. But to me, you know, for, for to the, to the uh, slightly younger ear, it just sounds like Zeppelin. But yes. Anyway, so- but I went there, and, and you know, it was, it was cool. It, it was, uh, I was told, <laughs> do not arrive early, which is very yeah. tricky when someone lives on basically a cliff in Malibu because there's no place to, like, there's no, like, convenience store to hang out in, so you have to just kind of, like, time it really perfectly, drive up, and right. it's, like, drive at, you know, the, this is a, a unique occupational ha- hazard of driving to, like, Rockstar's houses in, in Malibu. You've done this. It's, like, yeah. always a tricky, and scary driveway. If, if you drive slowly trying to kill time, then you get really weird stares from people. Yeah, that's bad, too. Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's, it's, it's incredibly awkward. Then your GPS is just melting down, and there's these narrow mountain roads. It's yeah. So anyway, but but eventually I arrived uh, uh, at at Tom Petty's house, and I, and I will say this: I had been with uh, the band Spoon uh, a couple months before, and we were in a, a music store in, in like Austin, Texas, and they had a really cool a uh, baritone. Dan Electro guitar, which is like a, a guitar tuned halfway, basically between a regular guitar and a bass. Really neat, but like totally like very little use for that. And they're like, man, I wonder who like has that. And then the first thing I see, I go to Tom Petty's house is that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Tom had this just very chill, beautiful house, like and a studio there. And it just seemed like, you know, it, it, he, he really was like uh, king of the hills. And, you know, it just just chilling there and it's just amazing that he ever leaves and goes on tour yeah. but as he told you he, he wants to go on tour yeah but it's a very nice existence he has he basically every couple of years spends like four months touring and the rest of it he just gets to chill he goes to lakers games <laughs> he works on his radio show um he's just mr la so the wildflowers thing let's talk about that a little bit so what was the deal it was supposed to be a double album yes it was his second solo album it was produced by rick rubin and they spent three years on it it was just this endless slog and they had all these songs and it was envisioned as a double album but he was talked into doing it as a single album it had three big hits it had you wreck me it had you know how it feels to be me it had it's good to be king Hmm. And it sold a ton. It's a I think that's the reference I was looking for. I went to King of the Hill because that's the other thing, right? But yeah, yeah, it's good to be king. I, I think that's where well, my brain was, wanted to go. And yeah, he was a voice it. on King of the Hill, of course. Well, that's why that's my my, my yes. brain. He he played the amazing character Lucky uh, yes. on King of the Hill. Yes, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so it was released as a, as a single record. A few of the songs appeared on the She's the One soundtrack. Right, love which it. Is, which, by the way, I I think yeah, I think um, uh, walls might brilliant. be this is might be the single greatest Tom Petty song. It's great. That is a um, you've got a heart so yeah. big you can crush this town. I love yeah. that song. But, love it. But he told me that he was a bit disappointed by the soundtrack because he was forced to do different versions of the songs to sort of work well right. in, in the movie, and he 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 sees it as a very compromised thing. Right, um, and there's all these songs that sort are, of his uh, "Who's Next" or something. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> never got to be the life house it wanted to be. So what he wants to do is a Wildflowers box set, both albums, finally do the whole thing, and then bring it on tour. Right, but the problem is that we're talking about like twenty some songs, three are famous, and 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 they appear very early on the first disc. So to play a basketball arena with so many unfamiliar songs that are acoustic based would be an absolute disaster. Right. So what he wants to do is do hopefully 
do a theater tour of Wildflowers following this anniversary tour? I think it was just occurred to me that maybe Tom Petty is due for like a period of being really cool. Like, you know, yeah. like maybe like kids who love Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. <laughs> could somehow like be, decide Tom Petty was really cool somehow. Like, yeah, I guess the, <laughs> it, he lacks the sort of romantic like, yeah, drama. He has that, spent time with Stevie Nicks, though. Yeah, yeah. Stevie, they, Stevie, they're extremely close. She has to join the band once. Yes, uh, and, and she, when I was at Stevie Nicks' house, I, yeah. I go to people's houses. Uh, when when I was at Stevie Nicks' house, she showed me. I forgot what it was. It was like a sheriff's badge that indicated mer- uh, membership in the uh, Heartbreakers. Yeah, yeah. And she went on tour with them in '06 and was there for a lot, a lot, a lot of shows. She was doing background vocals throughout half the night. I mean, she. Loves the Heartbreakers. They should do an album together. Now that would be, that would be smart. They, if they do it a full album together and then tour together, that would actually get a lot of attention. If I was like their somehow their combined A and R guy, I would suggest that. Now that is a good idea. Yeah, that would be great. It would further piss off Fleetwood Mac because they're already pretty pissed at Stevie because they're working on an album now that's without her. Well, he ends up being a sort of substitute Lindsay. That's the thing about Tom, in, right? In, in the in but. The, there's a real Lindsay who wants to record with her, <laughs> and she's not doing it right I know, now. I know. Yeah, that would know if she really wants to anger them. Uh, that that's actually a pretty great idea, and it would it would be one of those things that would get way more attention than your usual album right, by a veteran artist. Because their duets back in the day are fantastic. Yeah. Stop taking my heart around and whatnot. That's all right. That's a good idea. We're we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. Let's make this happen. Next yeah. time we talk to Tom, be Betty. like, he'll be like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. No, I will always I will, I will push for live echo songs till the day I die with Tom Petty. <laughs> I cannot imagine a bigger waste of time. But yes, that's, no. But I, Ben Mutt told me <laughs> this is Ben Mutt Tench, the keyboard star breakers. He told me unprompted that he'd rather go on an echo tour than a wildflowers tour. Is there something that you call Ben Mutt for short? Ben. Ben, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ben Mont is, but that, okay, Benjamin, Ben Mont, ben, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but his People name call him ben. is Ben Mont. He's yeah. the son of a, a, a very distinguished judge from Florida. Huh. And he named him Ben Mont. Is he like the most, uh, like sort of upper class member of the- the uh, Roy Bitten, and he was in college, actually, yeah. when Mudcrutch was going, and, and they were all just in his dirty band, and he was so good, Tom went to the judge's office and begged him to let Ben Mont quit college to uh, join the band full-time. It's interesting that the keyboardist in the 70s bands is likely to be the most educated member, perhaps because of the piano lessons, denotes a more upper-class yes, uh, that's background. that's Professor Roy Bitten from yeah. E Street Bands, one member that had been to college and thus professor, <laughs> and Ben Mond is probably the most educated. How about how about the how about Elvis Costello's keyboardist Steve? Yeah, I don't know Steve's educational background. Okay, that's too bad. <laughs> but those guys should start a group together and just like play piano at, at right, each other all day. Both Benmont and Roy <laughs> toured with Stevie Nicks in, right. in the early eighties. That's right. So you can watch their. You can go on YouTube and watch them play, and you can watch them play Rhiannon. They do it a bit differently. I've done that, yeah, and it's it, it ends up sounding a little bit like there's yeah. the Thunder Road reunion, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. incredible. Well, we have drifted it's spectacularly, <laughs> of course, but we've been talking about uh, Tom Petty, talking about all sorts of stuff, and this has been Rolling Stone Music Now. Please tune in again on Fridays at 1 p.m. to hear us on Sirius XM's Volume 106, and download our podcast at RollingStone.com/podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be seeing you soon.
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.